And through the magic of uh, audio engineering or editing, uh, we have seamlessly tied in my voice uh, to the rest of the podcast. Um, so I was just going to give my two cents, uh, given I missed out on Tuesday night uh, as to uh, Saturday's proceedings. Um, unfortunately, we, we didn't show up we, with the right intent. We showed up in my eyes to not lose that game as opposed to the free-flowing football that we've been playing mostly at Bankwest this season of you know, really putting it through their hands and testing opposition. Um, but we know uh, that's certainly one thing we can build on next year is the our way record because outside of Bankwest, you know, we've got to show a bit more mental toughness uh, than we have this season. Um, but I think the boys have said it as well. But from 16th position through to finishing fifth and then second week of the finals, Unfortunately, we had to go down to Melbourne to play Melbourne, but that top four this season's there for a reason, and um, it just shows the the gap uh, in the football this season between not only from first to eight, uh, fifth, but then the gap from fifth to eighth, and you know the teams that couldn't beat Brisbane to get that bottom uh, that eighth spot in the finals, you, you got to really wonder what they're doing with their footballing program. Um, but fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back for next year. Um, in any event, uh, we, yeah, it's certainly something we can build on for next year uh, with how we finished off uh, with a main focus, I think, on, on things we've touched on throughout this year uh, is the, the wrestling. Um, obviously, we're pretty poor at that and, and defensively minded. I think we need a better um, defensive minded um, assistant coach uh, than what we have. Uh, but it's very positive in that the, the new blokes that we've brought through and the acquisitions we've made uh, last off-season have all been uh, booms as opposed to busts as they have been uh, previously. And uh, I'm sure they all touched on it in the audio feed that Dylan Brown chased down. Uh, that was something else. Uh, even in a, in a game where we were soundly beaten throughout the whole game and there was nothing really to play for in those final 10 minutes. But for pride, uh, Dylan came with one of the, the gangbuster chasers of the year. Um, so very happy on that, but uh, we look to build on to next year. So Dylan Brown with a full preseason, and hopefully no back issues next season. Make a Sebo with a full preseason, and then you've got players that have come back: Junior Paulo, Ferguson. Hopefully an injury-free season. Uh, then you've got players that we've signed: Macasib. Uh, sorry, not Macasibo. Um, Waka Blake having a full preseason with us. Um, that back line looks like fire um, from what we can see. It's just the rotation of uh, replacing Manu Mau, uh, we've suggested Ryan Madison potentially, and then there's some news about Tyson Frizzell, uh, potentially Jai Arrow up at the Titans, you know, a player of that sort of calibre, either an orange play, origin player or a fringe origin, origin player, and then just bolstering those forward stocks. You've got the well, we've already signed Regan Campbell-Gillard. Then you've got the young boys of Oregon Kafusi and uh, Stefano Otuikimanu coming through, um, who we hope to get some game time next year. Um, so very bright look to the future. But again, we were in this position in 2017, although I'd say in that circumstance we had a lot of old heads. This time we don't have those many old heads. Um, but we do really need to build on this, and we can't go back to uh, you know resting on our laurels and having a shit pre-season, but I'm sure BA's learnt from from that 2018 season. Um, so onwards and upwards, and best of luck to uh, the beautiful Bo Henry in the Ron Massey Cup grand final this weekend, and then all the uh, Eels players and um, the Wenty players taking place in the grand final against the Jets in the Canterbury Cup, and we hope to see you out there 3pm at Bankwest for those fixtures. Cheers.
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Parramatta Podcast, the week two finals edition, as it were. Uh, at the moment, we're not uh, with our glorious leader, Hamish, who is taking baby photos, if I'm not mistaken, of his new young bub. So this evening, we'll start with Adam and see if he can drop in when he's got some time. But I'm joined this week by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Very good, my man. And my good friend, Ham. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, not good. Not but why good. is he your good friend? What am I? I mean... Yeah, you're uh, his great friend. Yeah, exactly. You're... I mean, you, if you want to be, I mean, technically, technically, we're all cousins, right? You know, all all coming from like down down that fam, big family tree of um, humanity. But, um, Adam and Eve. But yeah, it, it's a it's a big big bag of stuff to get through for the Parramatta Eels this week. We've got results in three different grades, uh, mostly good. Unfortunately, the big one being bad. So let's jump right into it. Um, and it's unfortunate that Hamish isn't here because his boy led the Wenty Magpies to victory in the qualifying final in the Ron Massey Cup on the weekend. Uh, the first place Wenty Magpies took on Mounties at Nostrada Jubilee Stadium in Sydney, which is Oakey Jubilee, if I'm not mistaken. And, yep. and, uh, Cogra. and they ran out 22-12 to 12 victors. Uh, Eparama Navale scoring in the 27th minute. Uh, Havatana Luani, or Joel Luani, I imagine, is a uh, second try scorer in the 47th minute. Eli Roberts in the 71st and Josh Minhinick on the buzzer on the 80th minute rounded out the try scorers. Bo Henry was two from three with Wenty electing not to take the final kick at goal. And Bo Henry also kicked the penalty goal. So uh, Wenty trailing 6-4 at halftime, mounting a nice little comeback there to book a spot in the grand final. And uh, that would be, we'll get to that later, but there'll be 1v2 versus the, uh, um, was it Saints? Did they also get through there? Um, anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, no one got to see it, I imagine, so we'll move on. In the uh, Canterbury Cup, it was the Canterbury Bulldogs uh, playing against the Wenty Magpies, and Wenty running out. Oh, running out. Oh wait, that's the week before. What's going on? In New South yeah, Wales. What are you Rugby doing? Week? New South Wales Rugby just just managed to mess it up for me. I'm sorry, boys. Let me get back one there too, because unfortunately, well, fortunately, we weren't gunned down after a 20 point lead to have to win on a George Jennings intercept this week. Uh, went here with a comfortable victors over the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 35-10, to in probably their most comprehensive showing of the season, um, having seen a fair bit of their footy this year. They were uh, in control throughout the entire game and just played good football. Uh, try scorers for Wente this week were Josh Hoffman, Andrew Davey, Matt McKillrick, Jamin Salmon, and Hayes Dunster off the bench. Reese Davies was perfect off the boot for goal conversions, 5-5, from five, and was 2-3 from three with the penalty conversions. He also knocked over that field goal to make it 35 points late at the game. While South Sydney got Kyle Turner and Mawani Hiroti, who was the brother of Hiroma, isn't it, right, Ham? Is he? Cousin, brother? Yeah, brother or cousin. Yeah. Uh, the commentary made reference to it at one point, but um, he's a pretty handy player in the back line for South, and he scored in the 32nd minute, and he also converted one from two. All right. So uh, lots to get through in this game because Wenty were pretty dominant. Um, i got some stats here. Um, Wenty's leading run scorer or run getter was Josh Hoffman at the back, who had 198 metres, but... Charlton Schaufhausen, Ham's favourite, uh, posted 149. George Jennings, 134. Greg Lucio had 168. Meanwhile, Reese Davies had 140, which is insane for a half. couple of line breaks there, um, bumping up his total, I imagine. Uh, in the forwards, Tim Manor was excellent with 181, while uh, other senior players, David Gower and Penny Trepo, got 110 and 118, respectively. Uh, boys, uh, I don't know if you, you saw the game, Bertie, but I know Ham did. What were your takeaways? Oh, just well, I had to watch it on delay being um, down in Melbourne. So I already knew the score um, going into the game, so it was quite relaxing. Um, 
Uh, it was just the control that Wernie had. I think what they had one dropped ball all game. They, they, I, I remember that blocker was making reference to it, but their completion rate was insane. Uh, is there one, a, one error. One error. There you go. So that that is actually actually ridiculous, and it's funny because it's comparable to what Melbourne did to Parramatta in the main event, isn't it? Just complete. Yeah, the thing was like they still threw the ball around. Like they went back, went out to the halves, went out to the backs. Like they were still playing Parramatta ball. Timmy had a few offloads in there. So you know, it was just that's it's in, well, obviously it goes to show a dry where the football does for the Eels team, but like that's that's like that's how you strangle a team. Yes, if, that that is an ex- excellent example of playing uh, high completion football and what it does to the opposition. Um, yes, exactly. So yeah, like what they've done. You look at that forward pack. You know, you got Tim Manor, who's been you know who should be doing what he does. Um, Stefano's been getting some solid meters. Uh, Oregon's coming back into his own. Um, Penny Terrapos has been busting the line. So, you know, and he, well, I think you can count Greg Delisio as an extra forward there because, you know, he he busts forward. That, that's right. He is and, very strong in those um, around the ruck early in sets. And then you can see it as soon as they get the ball out to um, Reese Davies and Jamin Sam, they have so much time. And, and the thing with those two is they're good runners of the football. So, you know, you don't want to give them time, and they've just had heaps of it in space. So, yeah, you see that, and they're just carving teams up. And I, I think yeah, what was I'm most sure. impressive for me between those two players you just mentioned was while they're both strong runners, because Jamin Salmon also posted 80-odd metres running, which is another very high total for a half, certainly not as high as um, uh, Reese's freaky 140, but they both kicked so tightly throughout the entire game. In the red zone, they never kicked it dead or very rarely kicked it dead, often just hidden the carpet in the um, in the end zone. While when they were playing for longer kicks, they were often working towards the sideline and just grinding away at the Rabbitohs. And it yeah, really... and you know what? There was one time there, or maybe a couple of times, where they just put the ball out. Yes, they like, like, it didn't. It didn't it, they didn't need to kick it out inside the ten meters. They just put the ball out. You know, 20, reset, 25 meters. They gave both teams a break, and then they because they knew that they were going to get up and smash the South backs and forwards. And it was, for a very young team in, in key positions, it was a very composed performance, and that's what the most encouraging thing was for me. Obviously, we talked about the senior players posting some good numbers. Tim Manor was outstanding, and uh, David Gower and Penny Trepper both put up some great numbers. But when you're looking across that back line, uh, Ethan Parry is obviously a young gun. You've got Jamin Salmon, Reese Davies. Uh, <clears throat> off the bench, you've got Hayes Dunstan, Oregon Kafusi. So there's a very young core in this team, and they're they're doing their part without you know being. And sorry, Stefano Tuikamano, who I should not forget, who's you know one of my most promising forward prospects. They're just doing their job, and if you yeah, want to exactly. if you want to win the title and you want to get to a first grade, that's what you got to do: get your work done and you know not screw it up. And that was a lesson that Parramatta were taught in the NRL, which we'll get to shortly. Um, any any other takeaways, Bertie? Did you happen to catch the game? Uh, I missed the first ten minutes. Um, the first bit of thing I saw was uh, Davies try. And there was like the fullback messed up the kick, and he yeah. just you know yeah. the... And that that's a reward for competing, isn't it? For pushing for in the chase. Oh. Um, from what I've seen, I've only seen like three games of Wenny, and they've all been on TV. But he's been the standout. Well, he took away he took away the oh. one of the gongs at the the awards, didn't he? Yeah, players play. Players play. There you go. And after a, a fairly slow start, he's been um, quite sneaky good. From what I've seen, runs a, a very good inside line. Um, he's got well, that. That's the thing he has it because he's come down from. Queensland, he hasn't been in the system since he was 15 years old. It's like you see from the uh, English guys that they play differently. Like, there's something different about the yeah. Manu Mao had it when he first came in. Like, 
he he's capable of playing football, but he's also tough. Like mm-hmm. they haven't been, you know, it's good to, and you want to see players coming through the system like we've seen with Dylan Brown, but like they haven't been sort of. You could like it's just it's a mental toughness. You can see it. Well, like, that's not to say guys are coming through systems aren't mentally tough, and guys that do come through systems aren't can't develop that toughness. It's just something. Yeah, they've just got that originality to their game. It's not cut, cut and copy to their to their game there. And uh, Davey is off contract, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, he only signed the one year. I, but, I hope he does sign but another But the Eels do have a number of spots available in their top 30 left. Um, even for their aggressiveness in recruitment recently, they have um, plenty of space left in their top 30 to round out. So he'll be playing for that contract, obviously. Um, Bertie, I, I jumped in front of you, but anyone else kept your eye on that game after the big man? Uh, salmon, because like when I um, when I flicked on, I was assumed I assumed he was playing center, but when I saw him playing five eight, like his kicking game was great. Like his short kicking game, you know, as you alluded earlier, um, it didn't go dead. It was perfect then. Um, like with, with the New South Wales Cup, you'd think, or well, I get the impression, like it's a rehearsal, right? Like you're trying your best to get into first grade, so people will do the big play as opposed to do the little the one percenters mm-hmm. then. For this game, this was the complete opposite. As you said, there's one error. They just kicked to the corner, and it was just a dull football game. And, you know, no one was trying to win it off the back of their own. You know, they all contributed, which is good because, you know, if we – if we everyone was playing for themselves, we probably wouldn't have won. But it was a great team performance. Um, I, I saw – what was it? I think Stefano got hit – not bad, but he got stopped by Burgess, got back up straight away and played the ball. And I thought – you know, like that's just a youngster taking on, you know, a English prop, uh, English prop. So, <laughs> you know, um, what else? Uh, Davies. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't watch many winnings, so I don't know what's his best position and whether or not, like, um, he can bring uh, bring something to the first grade squad because, like, what, what's his best position? You know, like, yeah, he's an, he's an interesting little prospect, isn't he? Because he's bounced around. He's played a little bit of defensive lock when needed, but mostly in the halves or at hooker. Um, and he. The club hasn't made an official announcement, but he posted on Instagram, was it last week, Ham, about re-signing with the club? Uh, yeah, his management team, Map Sports, posted yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, we we think that's top 30, do we? It wasn't made it without the club announcing it. When they do their full top 30 announcement, we'll have to wait and see, but I imagine it would be. Yeah, because um, he was development this year. so Because right. you can be in development six for two years. There you go. So maybe it could be that spot again. And that's another place uh, where the club has some decisions to make, so we have to wait and see on that. Um, you did make a good point about Salmon there, Bertie, because it was something that Ham touched on in the Discord earlier um, a week or two ago about how he's sort of grown into his roles, his various roles at Wenty, where he's sort of bounced around, and he's developed into a really interesting utility project. Um, and as to where his best position lies, we really don't know, and maybe that's a good thing because there is definitely a space in the modern NRL for a, a specialist, non-specialist um, in the NRL. Because you see him in first grade, right? When we see him in first grade, he's just run. We don't see his kicking game. Yes. But yeah, in this first cup, you see his kicking game. And that's, like, from what I've seen, he's got a decent short kicking game. Like, he knows how to, he pract- it seems like he practices a lot at training. And that's why, like, if he can bring that to first grade, you know, like, okay, Dylan Brown wasn't playing at the time, but we didn't see the full Jameis Salmon in first grade, if that makes sense. Good point. Uh, one one thing I did enjoy seeing uh, at the end of the game, and you guys were absolutely correct about Wenty sort of playing the high percentage, real tough footy. At the back end of the game, they opened up a little bit, and we saw a little bit of all-black razzle-dazzle as the uh, 
the Magpies missed a penalty goal, which resulted in a 20-meter dropout, which was then uh, tapped backwards. <laughs> tapped backwards. So Tim Manor takes it out as a fullback, passes it towards his other prop companions, and it ends up with Hayes Dunster going 60 meters down the field to score in something that, like I said, was out of the All Blacks page with the forwards ball playing out wide. And that was such a, a tremendous exclamation mark to put on that game. So uh, well done to the boys. This is Wenty's as a joint venture uh, with the Parramatta Eagles, their first grand final since 2007. Um, and it's worth noting that from 05 to 07, Wenty and the Parramatta Eagles before that, because the joint venture was 07, if I'm not mistaken, uh, did a three-peat in the uh, New South Wales Cup back then, which is a very impressive achievement. And, uh, and you know who the coach was of that team? Yeah, I, I, bet, I dare say it's the incumbent coach right now. Is that right? That would be the one. Yeah. So, um, which one was the? Which one went to the hundred eighth minute? Like, that was the two thousand and seven grand final, which was yeah. one of the all time reserve grade grand finals. Um, as Bertie said, it hit the triple digits for the minutes played, and um, that featured James Maloney, I believe. Taking I was going to say that was yeah, James Maloney. So yes, and that was before he went off to Melbourne for a handful of games um, before cracking it at the Warriors in the NRL. So this is a, a big achievement for the Wenty. They've um, sort of huffed and puffed and not delivered for a few years, despite having some talented squads. And this year where I was sort of like said, you know what? I'm not buying into Wenty's hype. This is the year that they've gone to the grand final. So well, that's the thing, like throughout the year, we'd put them on a bit of a – We'd, we'd, ro- we'd roasted them a couple of times because yeah. – and, and to be fair, they sort of they sort of farted around for two-thirds of the season. Um, some NRL players were dropped and didn't necessarily perform in that grade. And then for the last for the season, everyone got their shit together and they just stormed into the finals and they've sort of you know stormed into the grand final following that. So they'll be pretty confident, I have to feel, and you don't want to ever underestimate the enemy. Um, and they'll be taking on the Newtown Jets, which is Cronulla's feeder team because they've, they've bounced around a few different clubs in recent years, but Cronulla is the most recent. Um, but we'll get to that preview soon. But yeah, you don't want to underestimate your position, but they've done a damn good job to get where they are. And it's going to be a, a good uh, good grand final in the CC Cup, which will be televised, but I do encourage fans to get out there. Anyway, moving on now to, unfortunately, a bad result in the main game where um, the Parramatta Eels travelled down to the bleak city, down to Melbourne, and were shut out 32 to nil by the Melbourne Storm. Uh, attendance of just over 21,000 in rather, it says good conditions for the ground, but um, the weather was definitely worse than light rain. Ham can attest to that, but very stormy conditions. Melbourne 32 nil. Uh, try scorers Josh Adokar, Suliasu Vunivalu, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Josh Adokar for a second, Ryan Pappenhusen and Nelson Asofa Solomona scoring at the end. I've never seen a worse night off the tee for a top team with Cameron Smith and Ryan Pappenhusen combining for two from seven um, for panel, uh, for goal conversions and a missed penalty conversion as well. Um, not many notable numbers to look at here. Uh, if we're looking at individual players, team stats though, there is some interesting stuff. Uh, possession sort of evened out a little bit, the 57 to 43 in favor of Melbourne, although the first half was closer to 70%, I dare say. Melbourne dominated time possession, 29 minutes and 12 seconds to just over 22 for the Eels. Uh, completion rates for Melbourne were a solid 80%, 32 from 40 sets, while Parramatta were dreadful as they eked out an even 50%, 15 from 30. Melbourne outgained the Eels uh, just under 300 metres, which is actually surprisingly low given how dominant they were in possession. Um, but six line breaks to zero, 37 tackle breaks to 15. Uh, Parramatta actually had a better average set distance, believe it or not, somehow. Um, and the play to ball speed was almost bang on, 3.8 seconds for Melbourne, 3.81 for Parramatta, which is kind of shocking. Uh, Parramatta yeah, had... that, 
There's no way that's yeah. right. Uh, yes. Uh, certainly watching that game, it felt like there was a complete difference there. But I don't know if it was because of in the sort of garbage time of the game, maybe the stat sort of blew out a little bit and evened up. Uh, Parramatta had 10 offloads in Melbourne's five. Uh, and kicking-wise, Melbourne dominated, as you imagine, with the uh, extra sets. Uh, their kick diffusal rate was far better than Parramatta's, 86% to 67 uh, And their uh, surprisingly, the tackle effective the tackle effectiveness rate was quite close. Melbourne ninety one point three to Parramatta's eighty eight point seven. Um, given the extra work the Parramatta had to do there, which was three hundred thirty one tackles to two hundred eighty three, they did a pretty good job. But there were thirty seven missed tackles of fifteen. Uh, five penalties conceded by the Parramatta to Melbourne's four, and fourteen errors conceded by Parramatta to Melbourne's nine. Um, and that should be noted that at halftime, Melbourne only conceded one error, so they played a near perfect half of football, which corresponded to that scoreboard. Now, boys. Uh, what are your initial takes from that game? Bertie, what do you got for me? Um, I think we had once, we, we completed one set in the first 20 minutes and we had three at halftime compared to them. <laughs> there were 17 from 19 and it just seemed like um, Sivo, you know, he does a shoulder charge and he went to his shell after that. Like he's taking people in mm-hmm. there. He's not coming in. So like, it's just like, I don't think we'll stage fright, but it's just nothing went our way. Seriously. Like you look at, Monsters try was like a bull, yeah. bullshit deflection, and that happens all season. This know, is like. this is something that I blogged about in my post game musings. I don't want to take away from Melbourne because they played a fantastic game of football. Um, as much as they don't like their club, they played a great game of football. But uh, the uh, Cameron Munster try was a result of a freak deflection off Mitchell Moses, was it? Um, yeah, exactly. Like, and then more dreadful and all that. Like. And then Siliasi Vunivalu happens to perfectly bat back a ball in between five eels that are pushed across to cover the ball. And it bounces straight into the hands of Jerome Hughes. Um, yeah, but and even then, um, one one kick for Adokar to score his second, like was inches from the dead ball. Head, like yeah. it just seems like everything went. Like Melbourne, they don't. They're a side. They don't need anything to go their way. They can still win. We needed everything for us to have a chance, and they had all the luck. Like we contribute to it, but come on, like it just was not our night. Like we just it didn't help ourselves with the drop ball, the penalties, and just the in general the bounce of the ball. Like literally nothing. Um, went our way like maybe the sim binning was Cameron Smith but even then like the referee the pocket referee was right in front of him he didn't say anything or he didn't do nothing yeah. at first like <laughs> it's like as if they didn't want to sim but yeah, yeah. Just- I noticed that when when at the game I, used, I was watching that because I saw Reed hold on the pocket ref is right there what is eyes oh, right in front of it nothing it was like an obvious call to make straight away but they had to put it up to review for the, the bunker so yeah, I, I do think – I will disagree with you a little bit there, buddy. I think the bright lights did get to him to an extent. I think the – it wasn't so much that early Josh had a car try where he sliced for our, our right edge pretty easily and we couldn't get that cover tackle to stop him. I think it was the following – was it the following set? It must have been the following set where both Kane Evans and, and uh, uh, Maker Sivo both shoulder charged. And I think that just showed mentally they were, they were looking for the big plays but not like on an individual basis rather than trying to produce it as a team. And it sort of – we, we – sabotaged ourselves and gave Melbourne so much possession and territory. And as we've learned in other games, there are some teams you can't do that to. And it happens that, you know, the Roosters in the Storm are probably the top of that list and they made us pay. Um, Ham, what were your takeaways from the opening parts of the game when Melbourne sort of ran right over us? I I just think you can see that our defensive style um, isn't conducive to finals football because this year we've gone in... Uh, and it's been obvious all <clears throat> uh, all season that 
you know, we limit wrestle, minimum amount of wrestle, so we don't concede uh, ruck penalties, uh, which is, you know, good in, in the regular season because... But as things tighten up in the finals and the whistle gets put away more often, it sort of exactly. it, it comes and back against Especially against you. a team like Melbourne, like, if we go in with the uh, structure of not wrestling... Uh, you're not going to beat Melbourne. You have to go in there and you have to grub it up. You have to say, you know, we are going to wrestle them. We are going to change our strategy here because they're going to do the exact same thing. You know what? We might have 15, 16 penalties blown against us, but at the same time, you're grubbing up against Melbourne. You might, you know, you, you gotta, you got to try and match them in that part. And then when you're in attack, you've got to throw it around, which we do. But the, um, the weather didn't help there, certainly, didn't it? No, and, you know, you talk about the error rate. You know, in the end, we had to throw the ball around. Like, we had to try once, and get once you're chasing, somehow. That, that's right. In the second half, I gave a lot of leeway to the team because when you're chasing points, it is very difficult. And so. you're not going to, you know, in those conditions and the way we play and the, our, the, way, and the way our team is set up, we're not going to go out there and grind back to a 2016 victory. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. try and... You have to. You have to try and blow away Melbourne. And unfortunately, with the way uh, the game is officiated, this is not against the referees at all. Um, no, it's an interpretation thing. That it's an interpretation, just- and that and and it, it's uh, 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 the Foster. Um, it's uh, the NRL's rules that uh, facilitate the way the, the game is officiated that will favour a team like Melbourne that are so good at that. And I think it's part of the reason why Cronulla and their prime were so good against Melbourne is that they were able to take that same interpretation and just do it even better. Absolutely. And yeah, again, this is not a knock on the referees. Um, I think they could be knocked, but I'm not going to because <laughs> uh, that'll just seem salty. Uh, by, by, <laughs> by and large, I was um, fairly happy with the refereeing performance considering some of the, the issues that we've had, like the last time we met Melbourne in the finals in 2017 where there were yeah, some I, real Barry Crockers. Yeah, I just think that you know, you you have to go down there and you have to. I, th- I think we would have, if it was a if it was a day game and it was dry. I believe that we would have frustrated Melbourne with the way that would have been a very interesting. Played. Yeah, very interesting because Melbourne like things to go to plan. When things don't go to plan, whether that be their own plan that they uh, that they put into place for their attack and defence. Or what they think the opposition is going to do. That's when they're frustrated. That's when they're razzled. So mm-hmm. um, I think we could have, but you know, overall, I know this will be for a later podcast. But overall, the general season, yeah, yeah. I think we can be pretty happy considering we uh, week two of the finals, finishing fifth. Um, in, in, a macro, in a macro, in a macro sense, week, absolutely yes. You know, you look at next week. It's a top, it's top four. Yes, one, no, one, two, three, there's four. No, there's no, there's no teams outside the top four there. So, you know, we finished fifth, um, and, and we fell on the wrong side of the draw in the postseason. It, it is what yeah, it is. Our path no, to the to the grand final was monstrous, and um, I think with only sort of one genuine rep player in Blake Ferguson, you know, you've got guys on the fringe like. Uh, Cl- Sorry, Henry, you dropped probably, that there. You're saying Quint Quint Gufferson on the fringe. Uh, Junior Paulo has probably played his way into um, uh, selection. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I think Nathan Brown plays at a very high level. 
he probably won't be talked about, but I believe he plays at the same level Jake Travojevic plays at. Um, there, uh, Fergie, of course, Micah Sivos, you know, probably one of the better wingers in the game. He just needs to play a little, have a bit more experience mm-hmm. and all there. Uh, Michael, so, you know, with the team that we've got to finish fifth is, um, is a pretty big achievement. And I know Freddie Fittler doesn't think so, but, uh, Freddie Fittler comes from the Roosters or initially yeah, Penrith. I, I can understand his logic, but yes, it is also a little bit of a backhanded statement to the Eels. But yeah, he's come from the Roosters where they can afford anybody and anyone at any time. And and if the Eels regress in 2020, his statement would would tread some water. And for fans that didn't happen to catch, was it the Sunday footy show or was it just one of the uh, online? Uh, No, Sunday footy show. Sunday footy show. Fittler was essentially accusing the Eels, not accusing the Eels, but saying that if you're not the Melbourne Storm or the Roosters, any season's a failure pretty much. Like you need to, he's got the championship mentality where if you don't win the title, the year's a failure. And it, it's easy yeah. to say when you, like Han was saying, you come from the Roosters background where you can get to the title every year because of the extra resources you have. But for Parrot, and this is what Sterling was defending him against saying, uh, sorry, speaking against him saying, is that they went from last to fifth to the week two of the finals. So th- that is an absolute step forward. And now they've got to build off that, but let's not try and undersell what they did. And like also, it's not really a step forwards. I think. Well, when you compare it to two thousand and eighteen, it's it is. a huge step forward. When you compare it to twenty seventeen, it's sort of a step across. It's it's a it's a minor consolidation because unlike in twenty seventeen, where we were bounced out in back to back games, we did win a finals game this time around. Yeah, so I think, you know, as as players, they'll be disappointed, and you could see it in their faces. Like um, Daniel Alvaro was saying, sorry. To fans when he Ferguson was shaking was, hands, Ferguson was guarded um, in post match interview. Yeah, and you just see like you saw Gutho's face, Moses' face, a lot of the other boys' face. Oh, like they were really hurting from that loss. So you know, as a player, it is disappointing to to lose uh, in the second week of the finals. But as a fan, I think you got to realize that you know we're in the top six teams of the year. We're and, the best and six we, teams we of the posted year. an all time record in the finals. Absolutely. This, this, so, this is the team you know, that is it, exciting. It's good in that result, and now they've just got to, you know, instead of stepping sideways again, move forwards. They've got to got to go forward, and even you know what? Even if that's one more win, and we make to the to the qualifying final, final, that's right. That that is that's, know, that's a big step forwards. That is another big hurdle to jump over. Because that's another two teams you're better than. Exactly. Now um, I just want to run through a couple of players, good and bad. Um, gauge your guys' opinions on them. Um, on the on the bad side, unfortunately, some of the Eels they saved their worst performance of the season for the biggest game, which you know isn't isn't me trying to be an aggressive as a knock on them because it's just the pressure of finals. I thought, unfortunately, Guffo before he was knocked out had a pretty ordinary game. Uh, kick out in the full on the red zone was um, rather costly for the Eels. He managed to hit the corner post in the full. As we mentioned, Makasevo had probably his worst, or probably undoubtedly his worst game of the season. And, just uh, on just on Guffo there. Sorry to. That's all right. Jump in. Um. You know, it's the way Gutho plays, and he's a he's a hundred percent player all the time. It's sort of the way he positions himself. It wasn't like with with the forwards being dominated. I know he threw was ten offloads. We threw ten to five, I think it was something like something like that. Yes, that's the thing. Even with those offloads, it's not sort of the way Melbourne were defending. It's not the game Gutherson could inject himself into. Mm. Yes, no, that that's a that's a fair um, uh, observation. Like Gutho relies on, you know, an offload 
to a retreating defensive, like a late offload. Mm-hmm. I, from memory, I've, I didn't rewatch the game, but our offload seemed to be a lot earlier in the tackle than a lot later yes. than and what we've been as, able to as do. We wanna, if, if you're doing an early offload, it's usually for a set piece or um, or it's not that much of a quality offload, whereas like you're talking to the late offloads are the ones that are the most devastating for a retreating defensive line. So, yeah, that that's when Gutho comes into his own. He's got a retreating defensive line. You know, he opens himself up. He's got the pass there. He's got the option to run. Um, that that rarely ever happens against Melbourne. It wasn't going to happen on Saturday night. Melbourne would just – they would have been absolutely smashed by Bellamy all week. Oh, it, was it was the a, same as their round nine game. They exactly. It's a very, very similar build-up. They had the perfect bulletin board material, ambushed by the Raiders. Uh, Parramatta posted a record score. Bellamy would have that up on the, the, the cork board saying, don't you let this happen to you. You know, ex- you know, drum it into them. Their last home game of the season. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I, I thought that I love Guffo. Um, and he, he's going to be our fullback for you know the presumable future. But this is the sort of game I think where his lack of elite speed was somewhat exposed. I think that Melbourne kicked very astutely, um, short and long, and really pressured him. Um, and you know, obviously trying to outgun out of a car for a kick is always going to be rough. But they did a very good job of isolating him at the back in those one-on-one contests for the ball. So, um, but I expect him to, to come back next season as good as ever. So no dramas there. He had a bad day at the office as well. Hopefully the concussion isn't serious. That's the um the other issue for Guffo there. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, continuing on the bad side, um, unfortunately Fergo in his um relief duties at fullback didn't have a cracking a cracking run of it with a bad pass to make a Sevo sort of um highlighting that. Um, but um moving on, Evans had a brain snap of a shoulder charge. Uh, Junior had to play huge minutes due to injuries. Um, and he was like he worked his ass off, but I thought there was a couple of bad ball carries there that really hurt him, including that opening run, <clears throat> and then uh, a later, which was closer to a strip than anything else, but another loose carry. Um, Manu Ma'u had that terrible restart off the penalty, unfortunately. Uh, and then on the bench, it wasn't so much a knock on them as it was them knocking each other out. But Tepai Moroa and Maradani Corey had a shocking head clash uh, later in the game, which caused all sorts of grief of us, where we had three players in concussion protocol with Gufferson. Moroa and Nia Corey all within like two minutes, was it? Leaving the yeah, field. Something like that. that. It was ridiculous. That that knock or oh, head injury to Murata and Tepai, that's up there with the bloody Cameron King it was... punching himself in the head. <laughs> like, literally, Kidami Gufferson comes off and literally three tackles later. It, it was a microcosm of the night, wasn't it? You know, just everything going wrong for the Eels. Now, on the flip side, there were some shining lights in that game, even if you can believe the 32 0 scoreline. Um, I thought Reed Marnie, despite um, a few missed tackles, including the last game, uh, last try of the game where he was left isolated with Nelson Sofa, so a uh, Nelson Sofa Solomona on the goal line, which is a you know a terrible mismatch for the Eels, and they probably should have done a better job where um, he sc- uh, the big man scores. But Reed made somewhere around fifty-five tackles, which was fourteen more than anyone else in the game, and I think he missed four or five. Um, he also nearly nailed a, a brilliant forty-twenty, and he also, as we mentioned before. Managed to uh, get one up on the, as some would refer to, the goat himself, uh, with Cameron Smith being sucked into a <laughs> handbags at ten paces moment as he slapped Reed and got sin binned. Um, so I thought Reed did quite a good job. Um, once again, he continues to prove my initial reservations wrong. But I thought, even though the stats didn't say it, I thought Wanga Blake had a great game. Um, nine runs for sixty-eight meters doesn't jump off the stat sheet, but the bloke made uh, damn near was it twenty tackles, twenty-one tackles. Um, and that included a lot of efforts in cover um, cover defense and um, some great reads down that side, uh, which is obviously the right side. And uh, who are the other else? And the one I'll get to in a minute is um, quite obvious, but I'll go next to, to Mitchell Moses, who copped a bit of uh, flack 
from the commentary team. I know that Ham wouldn't have seen it at the live at the time, but there was a lot of criticism of Mitchell Moses not taking control of the game, and it came at a uh, point. Please, it, like I'm not sorry, I'm not. Like I, I am a fan of Mitchell Moses now, and but I I wasn't for a long time. You can't blame him for like taking control of yeah, the game. This, this came. I'm after sorry, a, but you've got a, a Melbourne Storm team that had probably two defensive sets in the first 20 minutes, if that. they It was a rainy day. They were fast defensive. How is a half supposed to get the ball when an opposition is right on them and do something? These these particular comments were at their peak when um, Garfo unfortunately kicked that ball out in the full, hitting the corner post as he you know ran, ran an option sort of play on the fourth tackle. And at that point, what's Moses meant to do when one of the other senior players in the team and a senior playmaker, no less, makes the call. Like if if Guffo, if Gufferson has seen something and he wants to kick ahead, that's like what you got to go with. It's the hot option. And, yeah. and and to his credit, I want to point out that in the second half, Mitchell Moses didn't come out playing dumb football, chasing points. He tried to build a little bit of pressure, and then when the stakes got too high, he started throwing the ball around, and uh, that resulted in an intercept to Josh Adokar, who was you know being opportunistic, and then Moses responded by throwing a good pass after that was. In a game of inches, you know, he, he gets it over Adokar's jumping outstretched fingertips and puts it in a position where Blake Ferguson, one of the premier sideline navigators in the entire game, just can't reel it in and get to the try line. It was, then once again, it's just a story of a knife Parramatta. They were inches away, you know, one error away, just one play away. And um, You and- look at Moses, like he, he never gave up. Like he continued to... Kept running like he had uh, exactly. Like, he ran. He ran the ball to the line. Really tested the Melbourne defense, and they were just too good. They they came up aggressively and managed to catch. There was a one point where he made half a line break and linked up with uh, who was it on the inside? He passed to, um, or he was trying to pass to, but it was Gufferson, I think. And it, you know, it was just Melbourne were so good defensively, and and I want to credit Moses there for not trying to play stupid football, trying to catch up. It was actually an important. Uh, application of the lessons that he'd learned in 20, um, 2019 because too, all too often he'd be guilty of trying to go for the easy play to get easy points. And even if we didn't get any, you know, we didn't get any points on the day, which sucks, but I think that it was him doing the right thing. And speaking of halves, um, the last player I'm going to wrap is a player that sort of cemented himself as an, uh, a superstar, not in the making, but haven't already arrived. And that's Dylan Brown. Um, I don't think any stage is too big for this kid. He just, and this is something that Ham and I have talked about in the past, if I'm not mistaken, in the podcast. He he marches to a different beat. He's his own man, and he doesn't care which team he's playing in which round of the football, whether it's regular season or postseason. He just does his thing. And last night, uh, last night, <laughs> last week, as it were, um, he you know ran the ball strongly, kicked really nicely in the red zone, and if you want to talk about something amazing, his defense was incredible. Um, he nearly stopped. He nearly stopped Josh Adokar from scoring in the opening, the opening try of the day, and then his effort on um, Justin Justin Owen, yeah, Justin yeah, Owen from behind. I, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I jumped out of my chair and yelled "fuck yeah" when that happened. <laughs> we, we were down, what was it 26 or 28 nil at that point, and they ended up scoring just after that. But yeah, that, that was an absolute "fuck yeah" moment for a, a young kid who has busted his ass the entire game and made you know multiple great plays to come from the other side of the field and cut down a rampaging center inches from the line uh you know what what ticker and what athleticism he's um well yeah, that's the thing bit. like i've seen dill's speed before 
but for him to come across, like we've seen Ben Smith run down Benji Marshall, we've seen uh, Bo Scott run down uh, Tom Travojevic. Yeah, Tom, that's the right one. Yes. Um, but like, <laughs> that's just Justin Olam. You see him whenever he makes a break for Melbourne, teams don't touch him because he's quick. He's almost, he's probably almost as quick as uh, Adokari outside of him. For Dild, I'm pretty like. Again, my memory of the night isn't that good, and I, I haven't really watched any replays or anything. But I'm pretty sure that Dill was behind him when he made the break. So he's had to come from behind on the angle and tackle him. And when you see it, it's leg, perfect legs tackle. If And this is what I'm talking about before, about the way the game is officiated. That's a perfect legs tackle. Still should be able to lay on him until the rest of the team get back because you're not going to see a better tackle than that and they allow wrestling to happen. You want to bring smaller guys back into the game, that's how you do it, is you, you uh, penalise wrestling and you um, encourage one-on-one legs, hips, tackles. You know what was more impressive? He didn't get penalised or even Simbin after that. He could have. He he, he, saw, he, rode, he rode the whistle perfectly there. Yes. Yeah. Um, that exactly. was a, a great feel for the game, and he even gave the Eels a chance to make a couple of tackles after that before they managed to isolate Reed with Sophie Solomona. So, um, he he is our future. Uh, he's already after he copped a lot of flack earlier in the season about being a million dollar man. Those sort of comments in his. Oh, seriously, whoever whoever said anything about him, go get over yourself because. Yeah. That was his first presser. He was, he's he was an eighteen year old at the time. He's got obviously got a personality. He's not Daily Cherry Mm -hmm. Evans, (laughs) you know, talks like a robot and thinks like a robot. He's got his own mind. He's got his own opinion. He was having a laugh, and then we chastise him for it. And and last season he was um, Jersey flag and New South Wales Cup. And oh, he's had he's had a meteoric. No, they do very. I mean, young kids do, but it was his first ever NRL presser. And immediately, because in light of the the huge offer that the Warriors had made him a couple of months earlier, they were all all in about that. Um, and he's since reiterated his desire to stay at Parramatta. And uh, I think once we get him locked up, we alongside Reed Money, who is off contract at the end of next year, is that right, him? Yes. Yeah. Who I think there's a, there was that big uh, re-signing article a couple of weeks ago. We're looking to lock up, obviously, Reed alongside Dylan. Once we get those pieces all tied together, Parramatta is going to have one of the most uh, exciting young but without being too young, spines coming through. So um, what he did in the that quali- not qualifying final, but week two final was hugely encouraging for me, and I, I really look forward to seeing him grow into that role because he um he was the the perfect offside as Mitchell Moses this year, and I think that he's not going to try and assert power in that relationship. But I think as he grows, Mitch can lean on him more to to call more shots. So that'll be really really exciting. Now, there's going to be a lot of teaching points coming out of a 32 to nil loss, and I imagine they're going to be running the tape a lot of Parramatta. One thing I did want to mention, because it's sort of been a bugbear of mine all season, is that I really hope, even if there's no rule changes, um, because this is a controversial matter at the moment, that our, our players become more cognizant on both sides of the ball about strips. Um, we got disarmed a couple of times by Melbourne on Saturday night, and that was really frustrating. And I think on the flip side, there's been a lot of opportunities for us to take the ball away, and we haven't really capitalized on them. And assuming that the rules don't change too much, which who knows because this has been a hot topic for a number of months now, I really hope that Parramatta across the off-season do address that 
um, so that they can be better equipped on uh, attack and defense to, to capitalize. Uh, any other passing thoughts before we move on from this game, boys? I thought Nathan oh. Brown was brownie brilliant. The, yeah, Brown, Brownie was certainly he was trying to hunt for moments to lift up the uh, the team. He produced a couple of big hits, um, but yeah, and that that's something that I do look forward to as well as what Reagan Campbell Gillard can bring to the team as far as cementing that middle for us. Uh, Ham, what were you going to say, buddy? I was just going to say, um, you know, this is sort of in line with the game. There's all the talk about uh, getting rid of a Sydney team, and I have myself thought about <laughs> and spoken about getting rid of Manly and the Sharks because I think that's a bit too easy. <laughs> but, but if you want to move a team, if you want to relocate a team, Melbourne. Melbourne Storm, they're already a Queensland team. They already get <laughs> they already get 70% of their juniors from Queensland, the other 30% from oh, – yeah, 30% from the south of New Zealand. Their fans don't know anything. On the Sunday when I was driving home from Melbourne, I stopped in at a little town called Seymour. Uh, stop in. If you're ever in Victoria, stop in at the Seymour uh, the tea room. Lovely cakes and I had a bacon and egg roll that was lovely. Um, opened up the Sun, I think it's the Herald. The Sun Herald down there. Go to look for some rugby league. There's about 18 pages of AFL. Uh, get to not even a quarter, not even eighth of a page. It was an ad in the corner of the page saying, if you want to know the result, if you want to know if Melbourne stayed alive in the finals against the Eels, go to this link. They pictured the <laughs> South Sydney Rabbitohs logo, not the Eels. <laughs> I should have taken a photo of it. Seriously. Oh, my goodness. Rugby League is as, is as big as it will ever be down there. It will never get any bigger. Uh, You're better off. Cameron Smith leaves, how dead it will be. They don't even know who Cameron Smith is. They'd, probably, they'd honestly probably have to go back to the old stadium, Olympic Park. They'd probably barely feel that. At, you know, like... You're better off moving to an area, you know, might not grow, but at least you'll have passionate Rugby League fans in Queensland, get rid of Melbourne. <laughs> get rid of them. They're, they're seriously not worth. Where do they get their money from? This is going to this is going to go on for a little while, so I'll, I'll stop here. But where do they get their money from? They don't have a leagues club, so who's funding them? The game is funding them. But yeah, so that 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 wraps us up, boys. As we sort of put the bow on an unfortunate exit from the finals in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Good All season. Right. It was, I mean, fantastic season, and we're going to talk about that in depth in our uh, our season review podcast once uh, Hamish sort of organizes that together for that. But yeah, plenty to love for the big picture, plenty to love in the small picture across the season. Unfortunate end to, the, to how things, you know, came to. But yeah, uh, plenty of reasons to be really optimistic for 2020. All right, let's move on to some footy news. There's plenty of it because it's been a pretty hectic week. Um, going to start by knocking on some wood. Hang on, let's get this going here. Oh, the old disc is in and out, sorry. Um, but this isn't just the Parramatta Eels thing, and Ham might dispute me here, we'll talk about this pre, pre-recording, pre but um, the Eels look to have escaped um, Mad Monday with nary a picture or post on social media, and as we were talking about that, we sort of mentioned the fact that no club, and obviously there's only four clubs left now, so that would mean that 12 clubs have been on Mad Mondays. No club has had any sort of pictures leaked. It's been a shockingly peaceful year for Mad Mondays, 
um, with no one getting any drama. And I wonder if that was a league-wide directive after the train wreck that was the last couple of years. Or so, I wonder if – I was just thinking about it then. I wonder if it's a media directive because mm, they got a lot. They got a lot of backlash. Yes. The, I know. They went all in on that dog story. That's right. The, uh, there was multiple reports after that about how the NRL were not impressed with the coverage of um, – so yeah, I wonder aspects. if it's both sides sort of going reach the ceasefire. The media going, we don't need that. We don't need that sort of backlash again in the NRL. Like going to clubs specifically and saying, you know, go do your Mad Mondays because you know everyone needs to let loose a little bit, and this is the period where they can because there's no or there's minimal training and what have you, you know. But do it in private. Put the phones away. Don't be dickheads. Yes. Uh, I think the most controversial thing was Andrew McCulloch's t-shirt. That's it. Like literally, the, he had a stupid shirt um, after the when they got flogged. You know, if, that, if that's the worst thing, you know, it's, it's good. Like, <laughs> I wish they could do something similar to AFL. Like, if you look what they do, you see the media. They actually film them walking into the pubs in their costumes and they're open. And they're they they used to. It. They like, used to do that in the NRL. They used yeah, to. I remember they used to be a funny, a funny thing. That's right. They're like, you know, oh, here's the players dressed up as like the Scooby Doo characters and whatnot. Ha 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 ha. And then yeah. it became much more insidious. And yeah. and to be fair, the, play, the players did do some dumb stuff. Yeah. Well, remember when Danny Wicks smoked a cigarette? And it was like, oh, Danny Wicks smokes a cigarette on Mad Monday. Is that is that a rolled cigarette? Could that be a marijuana cigarette? So, yeah, it definitely got out of hand. And, and to an extent, the NRL players are at fault for doing some dumb stuff. John Monaghan comes to mind. Um, and there's been other- oh, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. NRL players are pretty dumb. Yeah. That's why they're NRL players. Like they're not out there but, saving but things. But things definitely went over the top with the media coverage after what happened with the dogs renting a yeah. private uh, suite. And uh, Just let them have their fun. Yeah. Like if, if, go to pubs and then that's it. Go home. Like <laughs> if, if they do something illegal and like Come highly, down. highly Come illegal, yeah. then fair enough, report on it. You have to. You're a journalist. But the, you, but know, they're you know they're going, their- they're going out of their way to try and find a scoop for the most minor of things. And that's, yeah, exactly. that's where it got to. So thankfully, like I said, knock on wood, the game certainly doesn't need any more issues like that. Um, let the players unwind for a day. Hopefully the media, you know, stay out of it. Let's move on. Now, uh, speaking of sort of moving on, uh, the fallout from that game against Melbourne, we met, we mentioned it very quickly, but Makas ever had that really bad shoulder charge. Well, not so much as a dangerous shoulder charge, but a brain snap. He faces a one-game suspension with the early guilty plea, but he could miss two if he contests and loses. Um, I'm not sure if Fiji is scheduled for any internationals this offseason, but um, that would rule him out of one of those games and give Parramatta back his eligibility for round one next year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, somehow, Kane Evans escaped the charge for his bizarre wrong shoulder-shoulder charge, um, which is a good thing, given that he's been to the judiciary once or twice already this year and would have been up for at least one game. Um, meanwhile, Cameron Smith received a, was it $1,200 fine? Something in the vicinity of that for his handbags yeah. at 10 paces, brain explosion with Reed Money. And I'm I pretty... heard his missus got another ring too. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, but he did um, have a little conversation to me after the game about how Reed approached him in the tunnel at halftime and had a little cheeky smile saying he got up 1-0 on him. So um, well done to Reed. And it was one of those cases where you can you can really see why Michael Ennis adores Reed Money whenever he talks about him on Foxhill because he probably sees himself in Reed, uh, especially the, in his later years where he became more of a playmaking hooker, sort of um, a, a hooker that can kick pass, run, and bring plenty of um, little grubbery to the game. And that's something that Reed's been very good at. Uh, moving on now, uh, NRL free agency and, and not-so-free agency. There's been a back row of frenzy in the last couple of days. Uh, 
I think we spoke about last week about Ryan Madison. Uh, but since then, he's been given uh, permission to not attend training. Uh, he's uh, There's been talk about how he's fallen out of Michael Maguire due to having to play through numerous injuries throughout the year. While the tight that's obviously coming from his camp, the Tigers are saying that he just wants more money, uh, which he's probably right too. Um, he's being linked to the Gold Coast Titans and the Parramatta Eels. The Tigers are pushing for some form of compensation. Um, they received two hundred fifty thousand dollars in transfer fee from the Penrith Panthers during the Ivan Cleary saga previously, and um, I imagine that they're pushing for something similar from a monetary sense. But NRL.com also said that they're eyeing off uh, Jai Arrow and AJ Brinson as a possible player trade. Um, which you don't see too often in the NRL, but this might be one of those rare circumstances where it could happen. Um, some West Tigers insiders on Reddit have been talking about the possibility of it going forwards. Uh, remains to be seen. But Madison isn't the only back row that's looking to hit the market. Uh, today we came to news of Tyson's, uh, Tyson Frizzell apparently pushing for a release from the Dragons. This isn't the first time that that sort of popped up. Earlier in the season there was talk of Frizzell to the Roosters. And this was when Angus Crichton was still sort of on the yard. Wasn't that right, boys? And there was talk of them moving on from yeah. Crichton. Um, and last night on 360, I missed it because I was doing other stuff, but uh, apparently Buzz Rothfield had sort of teased that the Eels were talking to a high-profile back rower. So the I don't know if it's Reddit detectives putting two and two together or genuine insider talk, but the way things have sort of been explained now is that what we're looking at potentially is Ryan Madison to the Titans for an unknown uh, compensation in players. Tyson Frizzell joining up with the Eels and Jack Bird potentially going to the Dragons. So speaking of old mate Jack Bird, he's one of the players that's been identified as uh, surplus to requirements because he's on in excess of $900,000 a season, if I'm not mistaken, what the media reports are saying. So he's been uh, been shopped around. Uh, apparently the interest now has dropped from lukewarm to absolutely tepid, but the Dragons were linked heavily early on. And as I talked about before, were part of that freeway player movement. And the other thing that dropped today, which I haven't been able to find much substantive links, but apparently on Instagram there was some talk about Alex Gren, Alex Gren, Alex Glenn, uh, Gren obviously being a character in the old um, song of um, Ice of Fire or Game of Thrones, but Alex Glenn uh, linked to the Penrith Panthers after their mass player exodus. So um, lots of interesting happenings there, boys. Any thoughts about the uh, any sort of combination of um, signings and movements there? Uh about the Eels, like, we obviously need an edge back row with Manu leaving. Um, don't really have one at the club at the moment. We have Murata and um, Takarangi. I think both are better served on the bench. Um, you got Murata. He's absolutely killing it off the bench uh, since he's moved back to the bench. But then again, at the start of the year, he was playing really well on the right edge there. So, you know... Do move him back there. You bring Tacker onto the bench. You can play uh, wing, centre half, second row. You know, sort of an everywhere player. Um, or do you look at, you know, especially if I believe, you know, Tyson Frizzell, a big player there. He's got uh, Origin experience. He's played about 150 games of NRL. Um, really solid defensively. You know, gets around 90 to 100 meters per game. There. Um, you know, you bring in that experience, which our forward pack will need with a few players retiring and leaving. Uh, or do you go with Ryan Madison, who I think probably fits our style of play a bit better. He's played, we come up in the halves with us, uh, has that ball playing ability, is a bigger body. Um, I think, you know, if you add him there, all right edge players, I'm talking about Madison, 
and the two Blakes over 190 centimeters tall, all around 100, 110 kilos. So, you know, that would be a monster edge there. Um, I think Maddo probably fits out chemistry better, but I think Frizzell might be the better player for us just because of um, that big game and just in-game experience in general. That, uh, utility for the middle is not worth underselling too, isn't it? Because he can sort of slot into lock pretty comfortably too. That's very true. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll need players in the middle because I think we're pretty good uh, both starting and depth-wise there. But then again, you look at Madison. He's uh, played lock this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, can also can cover play the halves, the halves if yeah. need be, but you probably too. don't want to push him there. Yeah, so a couple of, couple of real interesting um, uh, players there. Bertie, you got any particular inclinations towards Madison or Frizzell if the club can get one? To be honest, I like Frizzell more because he has the explosiveness. Like, he can break a tackle. Yeah, he, he, he does have that great turn of pace for a, a big back role. That's right. And he's only 27 yeah. too. I was kind of shocked when we were talking about that in the Discord. Um, he's been, he feels like he's been around for quite some time now, but um, he had a sort of cruisy 20, 2019, as you were talking about, Ham, and he sort of, you know, just – rolled into origin on the back of his earlier work there. But I, there was also a lot of talk about the falling out that he's had with um, McGregor and the Dragons in general this year. I don't know how much of it has to do with the Jack the Bell and stuff and, and the general sort of uh, underachieving of the team. But, you know, apparently he's looking to move on to, to better prospects and hopefully we can be that venue for him. See, my biggest gripe with uh, Madison, when he left us, like, was it, was it knowledge that um, Brad Arthur wanted him to be the back row as, as I understand, that. the club discussed a conversion from halves to back row with him, and yeah. he, he was keen to continue his career as a half. Went to the Roosters and um, started as a half there, but they gave him the same chat, and he made the conversion, became you know a, a rising star in the game. And then there was some uh, – he was you know obviously shipped off to the Tigers this year after there was uh, – I think was he had a hand injury that he got un- – he went and got unsolicited treatment from a doctor without the, consulting the club. I believe at the Roosters, and that led to some. Uh, this is all hazy fans. So I could be. I'm getting this wrong, but yeah, he, he went and got treatment for a hand injury without consulting the club, and they didn't like that. He went to the Tigers, and then now he said they say he wants more money. He says he doesn't like the coach, and here we are with you know us and the Titans in the box seat to get him. Yeah, so, so Brad Arthur stewed him as a back rower, and he didn't like that. Why else would he leave? So that's my biggest fear is like if he didn't listen to Brad Arthur. Brad Arthur had his best intentions, right? Is there sort of like a not like undermining, but like if he does come back to us, is he going to listen to Brad Arthur and tells him, you know, fair 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 point of concern, buddy. Yeah, that like, is, that's, that's probably one of the big question marks. And um, like he's got great ball playing. Like I don't Frizzell, I don't you know. I think he looks a bit awkward when he offloads. Like yeah, but Madison is by far the better playmaker. Like, where whether it's passing, offloading, or even with um, some useful grubber kicks. So yeah. yeah, you're getting two different plays there. And it's interesting to see what would be the best fit, both cap-wise and play-style-wise. You've, you've both made really good points towards and against both. Um, other Parramatta news for re-signings. We've talked about it before, but it still wasn't official. But the media were talking about Michael Jennings and Brad Takaranga being close to ink, excuse me, inking new deals, so nothing crazy there. Um, uh, obviously, both expected to stay around on uh, smaller deals than what they currently occupy, um, with uh, sticking points being the second year for Jennings, I believe. I'm not sure what Tom holding Brad Takarangi up, but the club hasn't. I mean, I imagine that we're going to get a, a, a sweeping top 30 announcement at some point unless we get a, a big signing between Frizzell and Madison. Um, so you can expect those to be the next two sort of recruitment announcements, I imagine. Um, in off-the-field news, uh, you can vote for both Tim Manor and Quinton Gufferson in the Proven Summer medals. 
Uh, they've been elected both for sportsmanship. Gufferson was nominated under that banner for taking care of Canterbury Bulldogs lock uh, Adam Elliott following a heavy tackle in round two, while Tim Manor earned a nomination for sportsmanship after lending support to Raiders back rower Joseph Tapanay as he left the field for leg injury in round five. Um, you can find the article about voting on parareels.com.au, but also a cursory Google search will probably yield you the same results. It's a survey monkey survey. Um, so you just got to go in there, select either Madison, or Madison, either Manor or Gufferson, and then just click for the vote. Um, and the reward winner will be announced at the Dalian Medal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, in general, NRL news, uh, interesting retirement today. I don't know if you guys saw, but Kane Elgie retires at age of 25 after losing his passion for the game. Elgie obviously started his NRL career on fire, earning Rookie of the Year honours well, going back a couple of years now in his um, breakthrough season at the Gold Coast. Um, he then sort of faded away after injuries, joined Manly this year as um, the favourites to play alongside Daly Cherry Evans, but couldn't lock down that spot, losing it to Dylan Walker and um, then announcing his retirement today. Any thoughts, boys? Sure. Uh, you know, very shocked. It's, it's uh, not, the rugby, not so the rugby league world will. Oh uh, yeah, there's I'm some, not sure how we'll recover. There, there's certainly that element to it. Yes, I, I get that. But um, <laughs> you don't have to. Seriously, like you know, especially because back at halves yeah. tend to bounce around for decent wages. You know, earning at least six figures. Um, they usually bounce around for most of their career. But you know, he's given away because he's lost his passion. So you know, that sucks for him. But like, as I was sort of alluding to, he sort of hadn't made much of an impression on the NRL ever since his rookie season. So, you know, best of luck in his future endeavours. But maybe he'll, he'll get the itch again. A lot of players do, and they go back into either Queensland or New South Wales Cup or whatever their the various versions are during the given year. We went from ISP to CC after, what, round three this year? So who knows what it'll be next year. Uh, and the other interesting headline that I saw earlier in the week was that the uh, football review which is being conducted at Brisbane, sort of parts that have been leaking identifying which players are going to be moved on. We also spoke about Jack Bird. We spoke about Alex Graham being linked to the Panthers. A couple of players have been shopped around or been told that they're either going to not be eligible for captaincy or be playing Reggie's. Um, one player that's been linked as the early favourite for candidacy for the captaincy is Matt Lodge. Lodge, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a real interesting candidate because if you had to pick one player across the entire NRL as a PR nightmare for club captaincy – uh, Matt Lodge would be the one that comes in name. I know he's had a bit of a redemption arc for Brisbane this year, but what he did can't be lived down easily, and I, I don't think that catapulting well, him into I remind the, him every time I watch Brisbane play. Yeah, like you get both a, times they've been down to um, life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What he did, I don't think, could be lived down, and, and thrusting him into the spotlight as captain is not a good move. Um, I, I see an article today about Pat Carrigan, who was a good young back role for them, also being considered for a leadership role. Um Brisbane have got some wide, like wide sweeping problems there, but I don't think that Matt Lodge he can be part of the leadership group. I don't care, but making him your official uh, delegate to the NRL, not a huge fan. Bertie, any particular thoughts? Oh, I don't know. I feel a bit weird because, like, yeah, you know, I played a, like not, I don't got nothing personal against him, but he fucked up, right? We all know that. And so, what for the rest of his life he's going to be like. No matter what he's like, I'm not saying we're going to forgive him, but I can see why they will they, they will think about making him as a captain because he well, leads. I, I think I think his like, his eligibility to play NRL is enough of a, an admission of forgiveness and a shot at redemption. I think that making him the club captain is sort of spits in the face of that, at least in my opinion. See, right. I don't think he needs the cap like the the C next to his name to be a leader. Yeah, exactly, he's, he's and that, that's that's what rubs me the wrong way is you can be part of a leadership group without being the captain. The captain well, is the well, official he, delegate to the NRL. And to fans, you know, yeah, so like certain people, like maybe milk, like certain people need 
the C next to the name to make them believe that they're a leader. Like, you know, you look at, like, um, I reckon Milford, you know, he needs it because he needs to grow up and he needs to take this team, you know. Like, I know, I'm not a Broncos fan, but, like, you know, even, like, one person I'm surprised with, like, Sean Lane, like, I didn't think he would be a leader and from he's what been, people yeah, have fantastic said, for he's us. leader of the team. Yeah, like, that, that was one of the more interesting things coming out of that big Broncos win was um the sort of, was it uh, the big league rap, I think, was talking about how much of a leader Sean Lane's become for the Eels. So, yeah, yeah. so I don't I don't expect him to be named Captain One Day. Like, he exactly. He's a leader. But like, I think it speaks to the, how big a hole the Broncos are in at the moment that he is their leading candidate for captaincy, and that's their problem, so let's move on. Um, we've got yep. two previews to get through as we clock over the um, one-hour mark. Uh, unfortunately, no NRL preview, but we do have a couple of lower-grade previews. Um, and Hamish hasn't been able to join us to uh, exonerate his big boy... Uh, Big boy, Bo big, Henry. big boy Bo Henry. Sorry, my brain just shut down for a second there. <laughs> Bo Henry's a big boy. Big boy Bo Henry, who was, you know, I mean, he's taken him to the minor premiership and to the grand final. So he's um one one win away from taking him to the promised land again. Um, in a in a complete opposite of the Canterbury Cup, which will feature seventh versus eighth. The uh the two top seeded teams in the Ron Massey Cup got through to the grand final. Wenty, as I said, taking away the minor premiership in first place, will be playing. And let me get this right: it's the Saint Mary Saints. In second yeah. place, St. Mary Saints. Um, this will be at Leichhardt Oval, uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. And we'll just quickly run through the team list, which probably a lot of names you won't recognise for the average pundit, but we'll go through there anyway. Eels are fielding Josh Bergman at fullback, uh, Eparama Navale and Josh Minhinnick on the wings. Liam Mulverhill and Eli Roberts will be in the centres. Henry Rawa-Louis, one of the Wenty stalwarts for the, the longest time, will be partnering the big man himself, Bo Henry, in the halves, Henry obviously has a C next to his name. Adam Spicer, Darice Miller are the props in the front row, while Brad Kieran, who had plenty of time in the CC earlier in the year, will be at hooker. Uh, another Wenty stalwart, Danny Howard, will be in the back row of Kieran Heyman, who was named in the halves for Wenty in the uh, the qualifying final for the Canterbury Cup last week. So he's a bit of, bit of versatility there. And uh, Blake Cook at lock. On the bench, you've got Dylan Izzard, uh, Ridge Smith, Havatani Luani or Joel Luani, and Nick Cassis. And I was looking over the Saints team to see if anyone we know. Uh, Jake Toby, no, Jeff Daniela. Uh, for those <laughs> from the one of the old days, remember Jeff Daniela, boys? Oh, <laughs> Future yeah. NRL yeah. superstar. Um, I was looking through there. Uh, I think Patrick Hollis, no. John Fiermoon, no. Like, no names I really recognize for the, the St. Mary Saints. But given that they finished second, and how close were they to Wenty? Let me just check this before we move on. Uh, Ron Massey. So Wenty finished the season on 38 points, and so did the Saints. So it was points differential. Uh, Wenty by one point. In the, that's right, one point in the point differential. That field goal that I remember we were talking about is what got him over the line. So this will be a real good game uh, on paper. So <clears throat> anyone wants to get out there, as I said, uh, was it 3 o'clock Saturday at Leichhardt Oval? Um yeah, go, go. I imagine there have to be some other games around that too that wouldn't just play it by itself. Um, yeah, it's got a Sydney Shield. Yeah, interesting that they didn't – I mean, I suppose it's got to do with the, the field conservation that they didn't pair it with the bigger event, which we'll get onto now in the Canterbury Cup. Um, but Canterbury Cup, uh, the most unlikely of finals, 7th v 8th, Newtown Jets versus the Wentworthville Magpies. This one's taking place at our home ground, believe it or not. So Parramatta Stadium, Bankwest Stadium, Western Sydney Stadium, whatever you want to call it these days – this is on Sunday, the 28th. 3.05 p.m. is the kickoff, although it then says 3 o'clock underneath. So somewhere around 3 o'clock will be the kickoff. 
The Newtown Jets, uh, as I talked about before, Cronulla, uh, the Cronulla Sharks feeder team, are 1-17 as follows. William Kennedy at fullback, Sione Katoa and Tyrone Phillips on the wings, Aaron Gray and Ronaldo Mulatalo on the, uh, in the centres, rather. Uh, in the halves, they've got Jack Williams and Braden Trindle. Front row is Toby Rudolph and Jamin Jolif, Jolif in the prop, uh, prop role, sorry. And Blake Braley, who I assume is a de facto hooker in the NRL, um, playing number nine, which is surprising that he'd be named there. Uh, Scott Sorensen, Jason Bakura, and Billy McGoss round out a pretty handy back row. On the interchange bench, they've got Tag Wilton, Jackson Ferris, Siosifa Talakai, and Daniel Vasquez. Extended bench includes Luke Polselli, Matt Evans, Wesley Lolo, Grant Garvey, Josh Carr, and Greg Eastwood. The Wenty Magpies are as such. Uh, fullback is Josh Hoffman. On the wings is Charlton Schaffhausen and Greg Lissiwell. In the centres, we have Ethan Parry and George Jennings. Halves are Jamin Salmon and Reese Davies. Front row reads as Tim Manor, Matt McKilrick, and Stefano Utuikamanu. Andrew Davey and David Gower will be on the edges with Penny Trepo locking the scrums, although he doesn't really lock the scrums in the modern NRL or modern rugby league. On the bench, utility back Hayes Dunster, uh, young gun Oregon Kafusi, Mitchell Budfield, and Haimona Hiroti. Extended bench includes just two players with Celesi Fainga and James Porter in the mix for uh, late entry to the team. All right, boys, uh, what do we think about this? Newtown, pretty handy back line. Uh, kind of iffy in the forwards, kind of iffy on the bench. Um, Ham, you're probably the most informed here. We'll start with you and we'll let Bertie jump in when he's got um, something he wants to say. What have we got here? Who's taking this away and why? Yeah, uh, well, you look at, well, as you mentioned, the forward pack, you got, just look at, you look at the middle by itself. Uh, you, basically, Tim Manor, Penny Terrapo, you've got, what, 400 games of NRL experience there. You're throwing David Gower, there's about 500 games. Uh, alone between three players. And then, of course, uh, Matt McKilrick has played around 50. He's bounced around playing a fair bit of in a row, yeah. Yeah, so he's up there. you got young gun Stefano there, of course, uh, player of the year, Andrew Davies. So it's a really strong starting forward pack. Um, and then you look at the Jets, just their starting middle there. Um, no offense to these fellas. I'm sure they're good players, but I've never heard of Toby Rudolph or Jamin Jolliffe, uh, Billy Magulius, I believe. Um, he's played a couple of – he's been yeah. in junior reps. He's supposed to be a pretty good uh, workhorse uh, lock there. And then you look at their second row, Scott Sorensen and Jason Bakuya. Uh, people will know them um, for playing first grade, especially Bakuya. Um, so that's where Wenny – and that's where Wenny have won sort of the past five weeks when they've been on their big winning streak. They've just – had that experience pack rolled through the middle, which has set up Davies, Salmon, Hoffman. And, the the uh, opening, opening 20 to 30 minutes has been dominant for Wenty throughout that period. That's right. They sort yeah. of lose a bit of impetus with the interchange bench. Oregon does a good job, but I think that between Butfield and Herodi, they sort of lose a little bit there. But um, they do. Oh, like- you look, well, you know, again, no offense to Herodi or yeah. um, Butfield, but they don't have the experience of Tim Manor and Penny Terrapo. But that, that's why they're they- talented. As, as Stefano on the other side as well. And I think that's why they'd leverage uh, Tarepo or Tuikamano Manor for big minutes. Um, one player that isn't listed that could be a late inclusion or I think he's eligible for late inclusion is Ray Stone. Um, so That'd be big. How, That'd be. How would you shuffle the team about in light of that? Obviously one of Butfield or probably Hiroti will drop off the bench. Um, would you keep Stone to the bench or would you drop someone like Penny Tarepo to the bench and bring him on as the... To, to partner Oregon Kafusi in that second period. 
Well, I reckon you could probably. I wonder if you could uh, drop Gowie to the bench, start Stoney on the edge. It would mean Gowie's flexibility to play the middle or the edge would allow you to do that. That's a good point. Yeah, um, so. You know what? If 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 Stoney is available to play and they're willing for him to play, you could just you basically put him anywhere in the forward pack. He'll do a job for yeah, you. And, he's going to give you everything. Yeah. So, you know, obviously one of Butfield or Harodi will um, drop out in that case. You could even start Stone on the bench and bring him on, a sort of an impact player, um, leading the line in defence. Uh, trying to put hits on both in attack and defence there, <laughs> as we know Stoney can do. So, um, yeah, if he's in, you know, that's a big a big in for reserve grade. And, um, because you know, all of a sudden the benches start to favour Wensy a lot more than uh, at the moment it's pretty even, I believe. The the eligibility rules always get me um, crossed over because I swear they change every year, but... Uh, Daniel Alvaro and Tepo Morobo spent considerable time in, in CC this year as well, or especially Alvaro more so than Tep. Um, so I'm not sure if they were eligible. I'm not sure if the club would play him anyway, since that Tep has commitments to AIU now. And uh, Daniel sort of finished the season in first grade, and they probably wanted to put him on ice. Um, obviously, Wenty want to sort of win with a concerted team effort the way they've done the last couple of weeks. But amongst that 17 or, or sort of 21, if we include uh, Raystone on the extended bench, who's going to be the difference for Wenty? Um, where are they going to win it and why? I tell you what, I have I've I haven't bagged him all year, but um, I haven't spoken as highly about him as some others have. I think Greg Lithuia, like he's your X Factor. Yeah, I, it'll be. Oh, I don't think it'll be raining on Sunday, will it? Uh, what are the weather forecasts say on Parramatta? Weather. Weather. I'm googling it too. Here we go. <laughs> Sunday, I got cloudy and twenty-two. Yeah, that's off, so that's it'll, off be a, it'll be a dry day. You know, you got Greg there returning the ball. Um, he's up again. He's, and the thing is, the wingers is opposite. Sione, Katara, and Tyron Phillips are both short. So He's not giving away much as usual would, yeah. <laughs> Crossfield kicks aren't coming. Well, they might be coming his way depending on Mulat- where Mulatalo's set. But, you know, all of a sudden he's not, you know, up against a – slightly taller winger so that defensive aspect it just depends on how he positions himself but dry Greg, day with I, the I, way I our, know that, sorry I know the sorry. numbers have um spoken towards high production but Greg's had a couple of rough days at the office in the last two weeks when it comes to errors and some bad defensive reads I think that um both of South Sydney tries were directly and indirectly involved with him the first one he deflected a kick un, like un, unintentionally that resulted in Ethan Perry unfortunately touching the ball from an offside position. And the second one, he bizarrely decided to contest the ball that Josh Hoffman had covered up, which led to a uh, – that was the same sequence of play, I believe. Or maybe, maybe not. But, yeah, he's sort of coming coming off a rough couple of weeks with some errors. He had a, a bad offload against the uh, the Dogs, which helped them get back to 2020 before we ended up winning the game. He's due for a big one, and um, you want to get, you want to save it for the big game. But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you got him and then you got Schaffhausen on the other wing. Um, I believe Schaffhausen – uh, ran more meters yes. against South, but you know, you got two p- absolute powerhouse wingers there. Greg with his light stepping, um, yeah, light feet, big body. He could really, you know, if he, if he makes over, he could make 200 meters this game, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Birdie, who you got as the um, the difference for Wenty? Um, it's got to be German Salmon, like. 
It's going for yeah. the fish. I respect that. I just, yeah, as I said uh, in, the, in the reviews, like we've seen the full package of Stadman, like he's running his game. So you think it'd, it'd be him, and you know he's pro- he's probably played against a couple of boys from Newtown. You know, there, there would there would be a little bit of um yeah a friendly banter going on here, I imagine. Yeah, so this this should be like a breakout game because you know it's a grand final. You're gonna give your best game, and um, if Salmon wants to cement you know his spot, um, you know on the bench next year, you know um, going into 2020, he needs to have a good game so he can build off for so heading into um, preseason. You know that's why. So other than that, um, I don't know. Seriously, maybe Ethan Parry as well. Like you know, he came into first grade, had a couple. Okay two tries from two like, games, played okay, but also got roughed up a bit. Yeah, so like the likes of the the people that are on the border, like a first grade, you know, playing like they have to have a big game and that's fair. They have to like you know try and give the best game because you want to get the jump start on the people that have um that are already in the first grade squad, you know. So like, yeah, other than that, I'd like Kafusi, you know, because I want Kafusi Stefano to be in the squad next year and playing for a first grade. So yeah, I think seven. Summer should be, and if they have like an MVP award, so if not, if they do, I think Summer will win it. But um, yeah. Um, I tell you what, what I think will be an X factor to the team. Actually, I was just thinking about it. Tim Manor's, you know, possibly final game at Parramatta, Parramatta Stadium mm. at Parramatta. I reckon the fans. I reckon they'll be a. I reckon probably the biggest turnout for a, a reserve grade final for a while. Well, I sure I hope that the club get in the front get foot behind this week. it. Yeah. The club is promoting it a little bit, and I just think people will know that it's Tim's last game. Uh, it's only ten dollars tickets, I believe, maybe fifteen. I'm not too sure. Get yourself um, a program. Get into the stadium. Yeah, I just think that you know Tim Manor's final game. Uh, the young guys, you know, that have had a few seasons with Tim. Uh, Gao, he's been here since 2014. Terrapo's been here since day dot. So Tim will want to fire up for potentially his last game. Um, sort of in the limelight. So, yeah, or yeah. if they win, it won't be. And this, that's after. right. This is a cer- cer- uh, scenario where the winner takes all, but also goes through to the national championship. So, so they, yeah, I, I reckon that'll be a big motivation for uh, the Magpies players. And I reckon Rip Taylor will let them know about it because you look at the the Jets side; they're all you know, except for Buddy Greg Eastwood, who's on the extended bench. It's a pretty young. Pretty young team, there's not except for probably Bakuya. Bakuya, I don't think he's retiring though. So no, I think there's more at um, stake for Wenty here. Absolutely, yeah, there's more to play for Wenty. I just think you know Hoffy's that's Hoffy's right. last game for the Hoffman club off contract for Parramatta, linked to the Gold Coast Titans recently. He's been fantastic for Wenty actually. So he's he's another candidate for the big game. Uh, player. Potentially, Gow his last game for there is there was talk that he's. Uh, we did sign that transitional contract, but there is talk that he's um, potentially going around for one more year. year mm-hmm. But it could be his last year. So, you know, when he have a lot to play for in terms of like w- winning something, whereas the Jets will just want to win. But I think there's more emotion behind the mm-hmm. uh, Wenty win. And of course, both teams riding a big wave of momentum. But Wenty, I think. Uh, Having witnessed a lot of air games, they've really stormed back into the finals. Um, Parramatta were one short, no nine of doing something similar, going from eighth to eventual premiers. I'm going to back him in to do it. My player to watch out for, I'm going to go for my boy that I've gone through all year, Stefano Toikamano. He's had a couple of solid but not dominant weeks. I'm tipping him to go off this week, have a 
a real presence in the red zone, some real strong carries. Um, one thing I did want to point out on the opposite side is what do we make of the, the Sharks naming Blake Braley? Um, I assumed that he was their NRL hooker de facto next year with his brother heading off to the, the Knights. Um, is that the right move to play? Isn't in? it the other way around? No, see, I thought it was. And then my brother told me, no, it's Jaden Braley going to the Knights. Blake is oh, staying. Yeah. See, I thought I, I was with you. I thought that you take the NRL established option, keep him because, you know, the one that's proven is worth more, but they've apparently gone. Let me just, let me check this. Braley. Because, <laughs> see, I had the Braley Newcastle Knights. Uh, Jaden Brow with the joint Knights in 2020. So unless the the Knights have gotten their press release wrong because of the tw- like the whole brother thing, yeah, he was granted a, a release. Uh, that, and that that's why that decision stupefied me because you know I don't think that Jaden's a particularly incredible hooker, but he I, I've referenced him as like the more modern day Matt Bowen, just a really solid hooker in all phases of the game. And absolutely, evidently yeah, they're, they're, every team needs like a, a yeah, solid player. Evidently, they're backing his um younger brother. And how to be better, and, and how often the NRL that you hear is about the younger brother being better. And occasionally it's true. Nathan Highmarsh um, was one player that I referenced the other day, um, and there were a few other players I was throwing out. I mean, technically Sam Burgess is the younger brother, but I doubt anyone in the Burgess family talks about Luke as an NRL player these days. Um, um, but yeah, it, like I said, Jaden was a proven option, and they're, they're throwing Blake into the um, into the grand final, knowing that he's probably their NRL option next year. Do you think that's an undue risk? For nah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the Cronulla Sharks, so it doesn't matter. But it would would you have wanted last year, knowing that Reid Marnie had played six NRL games, would you have wanted him playing the – and it was our, our hooker to be this year. Would you want him playing the Canterbury Cup or ISP Grand Final, as it were, back then? No, absolutely not. You rest him for um, NRL pre yeah, which is a lot just, more important. That, that's, what, that's what jumped out to me as an interesting decision. So they're all in on the win, it looks like. Um, seeing as there's no NRL game this week, unfortunately, let's do some predictions for this game. Um, so we're going to go through first try scorer and eventual uh, point margin. Um, Birdie, you want to jump in here and give me that FTS and eventual score? Um, I'm thinking 20, 19, and Newtown 12, 7 to be the Gene Eriffick and the field goal. One. I like that. You name Salmon as your player to watch, and you're going to back him to kick the field goal as well. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. There we go. So he's going yeah, to be in everything. everything Ham? like... The SG ball grand final. <laughs> I mean, he did he did do something similar. He to that nearly grand final. won it though. Yeah, yeah nearly. Exactly. So he's going to go one better this time. Uh, so he's going in all in on Jamin Salmon. Are you going to back your boy Greg Lucille for the uh, first try? No, score? not first try. I'm actually going to go uh, the fish. The fish. Oh, here we go. Um, I, I'm a bit more confident than the birdie. I reckon it'll be 30 plus differential. I'm not Ooh. sure the score, but it'll be. Well, I was just looking at the past two, the two games they played this year. Uh, the first time went he at Ringrose when he beat the Jets forty two ten. Oof. And at the gay at the return game at Henson Park, the Jets won twenty two ten. So So going along at, at, lines, a, at a neutral venue you'd think it'd be a, a closer game. New, given, it is not neutral. But that, that's what I'm saying. Given that it's not a neutral venue, you're gonna back Wenty in as the heavy favourites. Oh, yeah. I'm you know, Para have uh done their um, captain's runs on Parramatta Stadium. You know, a lot of these boys would have, or when I say a lot, Hoffy, Parry, George Jennings, uh, Fish, Manor, uh, Stefano would have done a couple, Gowie, Terrapo, Kafusi would have done one. They've all done their captain's run on this field, and I think a big crowd, big Winnie crowd, black and white. Um, we'll get Winnie home. Here we go. It'll be Jets 10 to keep that tradition going. 
2048. 2048. Okay. Um, I, I appreciate a bold prediction. Now I'm just doing a little bit of research across our last few games, and I'm going to go off the trend here. And you know who's going to get the first try scorer? It's going to be Tim Manor. Because last week, last week, Josh Hoffman, the week before Tim Manor, the week before that, Josh Hoffman. The logic doesn't lie. Tim Manor's got to get the first try this week. So Tim Manor, last home game at Parramatta, first try scorer, went here to see him off with a title. Uh, we're going to win 26-10. to 10. So there you go. We got 19-12, uh, 40, you said 42-10, was it, but, uh, him? 48. 48. There you go. 48-10. So the 38 points of differential, and I went for 26-10, so just a measly 26 points of differential. Well, here you go. Here's another stat. Wenny have won six games of the venue. Jets haven't played one game there. So There you go. So Ham giving us the um, the final say on that one. And on yeah. that bombshell, let's wrap it up, boys. Uh, we'll do a quick shout-outs this week without our, our podcast leader here. Uh, Bertie, you want to take us away? What's been off in your life? NFL, Cowboys up 3-0. Anything else happening? Yeah, 3-0, but, you know, okay, we won, we won three games, but we've beat shit teams, to be honest. So, like, I'm not – I'm trying to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of things to work on. You know, um, we've got the Saints this week, but they're missing Drew Brees. But um, I think our first big test be Packers. Um, other than that, Spurs lost again, and VAR screwed us. You know what? Ever since I said God bless VAR, we've been <laughs> the karmic um, uh, retribution there. Yeah, um, brother was a massive Giants fan. You know, he, they made the grand final. That's right. Got back over Collingwood <laughs> into the grand final. And what's worse is he has to work Saturday. Like he works Saturday, oh, and no. he can't. So literally, by the time he finishes, it, um, I feel sorry for him. You know, because he really is passionate. Like I know Giants get a lot of shit for not having fan base but he is really passionate about he is them. the one percent yeah and just uh yeah other than that um yeah that's it really oh we i finally found a west tigers fan i didn't want to abuse on twitter oh hello <laughs> tinder, tinder coming, <laughs> coming through big time oh i didn't know what to do if i had to applaud or bloody follow back in but uh-huh. you know like i was speechless usually i get like oh you shit team or something but this guy he was applauding me so there you go buddy um, other than that, yeah. Important steps forwards being made as a person. I respect that, Bertie. Round of applause for Bertie, ladies and gentlemen. A bit of reconciliation towards Tigers fans too. <laughs> nah, that's a bit too far. <laughs> that's, yeah, let's not go too far. We're making baby steps here. <laughs> it's just one one nice fan doesn't make up for all the shit fans have got. <laughs> all righty. Ham, what have you been up to, mate? What's happening? Oh, nothing. I've just got two things. The Australian Schoolboys versus Junior Kiwis game will be live on Fox or KO. Uh, ten to eleven this Sunday, and that's um, that's potentially feature. I mean, I, I can't see him being played there because he would be in the senior squad. I'd imagine for even New Zealand small, but Dylan Bowne has been prospectively named there. Yeah, no, nah, they've updated it, and it's he's not in the team. Yeah, see, he's but been- we but we do have uh, Etwale Louis mm-hmm. and Charbel Tassapale. In the Kiwi. And Valence Harris was named initially, but if I'm not mistaken, he might have finished the season with an injury, unfortunately. Yes. He was in a leg brace down in Melbourne when I saw him. Yeah. Um, and then in Australian schoolboys, we have Tyler Field, Sam Louisu, and I believe that Trey Mooney has gotten a call up, a late call up there. So, there you go. So uh, plenty, plenty of reasons boys to all together. And it's always a fun game to watch as well. Um, obviously, that rivalry carrying through from the Trans-Tasman. So as Ham said, you can catch it on KO or what was the other option, Ham? 
Fox. Fox, there you go. So be sure to either record that or catch it live if you can. Anything else happening, buddy? Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, driving back from Melbourne, I noticed there was a lot of um, ads for online gambling. Just wanted to say if anyone or you know of anyone struggling with a gambling addiction or um, need some help there, make sure you reach out because, you know, a lot of uh, particularly young males in Australia um, with Vulnerable. all this yeah. advertising, everything is falling into the trap of, um, you know, you just got it on your phone. You open up mm-hmm. an app and you got all the odds there. Um, look after yourselves in, in all, facets, all facets of life. But, um, yeah, I think... A gambling addiction in Australia is on the rise, so um, look out for yourselves and look out for your mates and, um, yeah, just try not to throw your money away because, you know, you work hard for it, so, yeah. That's a, a very salient point. And there's a number of um, places you can reach out to uh, for any sort of gambling problems, and this goes, obviously, for yourself or for anyone that you know. So, yeah, don't be afraid. It's better to confront an issue like that before letting it get bad. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, you lose you lose relationships over it, you lose your house, you lose your car, you lose your job over it. So, And once you're in the debt um, cycle, it is crippling and it's a downward spiral. Yeah, so, you know, look after yourselves and look after your mates. Exactly. Um, and myself, I'm 40-20, as always. Um, this is, what, my third or fourth time jumping as the uh, emergency host for the podcast, and it's always fun. Um, you should you can- host your own, mate. Oh, I mean, after after all the um, all the portals I'm gathering from strangers on the internet about my voice, I've, I've gone thirty <laughs> I've years. I've heard about them. Thirty years of my life about anyone saying something nice about my voice, and then two random strangers on the internet tell me I have a great voice in the last two weeks. So that's two for two, boys. I'm I'm the reigning two time vo- r- random stranger on the internet compliment voice of the week champion. So there you go. Um, but yeah, you can catch me and all my friends from the Cumberland Fro at thecumberlandfro.com. Um, we're also on Twitter at EelsTCT. Mitch runs right there with um all these updates on rugby league commentary and whatnot. Uh, myself, I blogged on the loss against Melbourne in my whiskey musings. I'll be doing hopefully plenty of postseason content this year. I always plan to never do as much as I want, but I am going to make a committed effort to do some um, some sort of game reviews and player reviews um, as we keep the ball rolling into a very exciting preseason at some point. And uh, for our absent host, Hamish, um, we mentioned it in the podcast last week, but he is uh, the father of a new boy, uh, was what sorry, name name escapes me now. Uh wasn't Jack, was it? Was it Jack? Could be. Jack Jack does ring a bell, but um little boy, little girl now, and he was unfortunately absent. Well, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, absent hey, tonight. Baby photos, man. Yeah, for we baby better, photos. So. They better be put up online. They week. they better be. We gotta we gotta get some We're um, writing. Some some looks for the new podcast mascot. Um, so very well done to our leader. Um, hopefully he had a great night because I imagine that if there was lots of babies having, taking pictures of that, it could be a little bit taxing. But um, you can catch all the work that he does for us on, on Twitter at The Para Podcast. Uh, we're now on Spotify as well. I mentioned uh, he was talking to, to Jack the other day about that. This is a different Jack, um, uh, a.k.a. Yeah, not his son. <laughs> not his son. Just talking <laughs> to his son about son. the podcast <laughs> a week after he's born. But, um, yeah, where you can catch us on SoundCloud. On, on Spotify, which is a great platform for listening to all sorts of audio things. Uh, I'm not sure if we're on any other major podcasting platforms because I'm terrible at that sort of thing, but those two are the, the two major places you can catch us. Don't be afraid to drop Hamish a line on Twitter. He's always um, uh, talking about Rugby League, um, not just the Parramatta Reels. And uh, for those of you that have been on the ride this year, thank you very much. We've got at least one more show left with the, the full season wrap. 
but I imagine that will be online at various points in the preseason. We sort of wrap any major breakthroughs, breakthroughs and news or interesting storylines that come out of early preseason training. Uh, so thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining the ride. Uh, to my fellow podcasters and good friends, Ham, uh, Ham and um, Bertie, thank you, boys. I'll catch you when we get to that uh but he's been downgraded from great friend to from, good friend. From good friend. It, it's sort of it, it, we're going to go through like the full cycle of the roller coaster at some point for Birdie. That's why he, that, that's why he's so close to all of us. But yeah, um, thank you for the ride. Thank you to everyone. Oh, we've still the got podcast. another podcast. We've got I know. a season review podcast. I know. Mate. But like uh, after the this um, is like this is this is sounds like it's season finale for, for everyone, but, for, but for everyone that got through that Melbourne game and then came to listen to us ramble for over two hours, they deserve a thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, be, be sure to hit up all the boys on Twitter. Uh, both Birdie and Ham are pretty active on there. Hamish is um, active on the podcast, and you can catch not so much me, but the boys from the Cumberland Throw at Eels DCT. So thanks, everyone. Have a good night. See you later. See you. Bye. Bye.